My scripture this morning comes from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 10. I think I said on some things I sent out, I said to 14, but we're going to stop at 10 because that's the gist of the story. One of the things that I like to do as I come close to wrapping up ministry is I, I pick what we preach. And I preach things that, that I have a call upon my heart to preach. And this is one of those. Hear these words in Ezekiel 37 this morning. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me around them, and they were were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded. And as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews upon them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. May God grant us understanding of these words this day, the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. A long time ago in seminary, I was exposed to a book that, that grabbed my heart. That's the only way I can, can explain it. It was a book um, that I kept coming back to over and over again. And you know, I think that I probably have had five copies of this book and I keep giving it away. And this is the book. It's called um, The Church on the Other Side, and it's written by a man by the name of Brian McLaren. In this book, McLaren writes that for the church to survive the tremendous change that's happening in our world, it must change as well. He suggests that the church on the other side will look different from the traditional model of church that we have seen in many of our mainline churches, it'll be different. Um, churches will be more involved in missions, he says. 
There will also be more bivocational or tent-making pastors as it's difficult for churches to, be, to have the income to support its full-time ministers. And also, the other thing that will happen is churches will begin to use their buildings in new ways. That, that income does depend on tithes and offerings, but churches will be looking at their buildings as how can this support the ministry that we want to do. And I have to say that some of that is happening here and now. We have apartments coming over here. We have a winter shelter that happens here, and we're not done looking at what we might do in the future. As a result of all these changes, these things that, that will be coming, or when he wrote, he said they will be coming, um, the people in the pews will become more hands-on. They'll be more the, the hands and feet of the ministry. Um, one quote that stuck with me was this. It said, members will want to be involved in meaningful min ministry. It's not, let's just throw money at something. It's, let's do something. Do you see the difference? Those kinds of things, Brian McLaren said, when he wrote this book in 2003. Before any of the things that have happened in recent years, Brian McLaren was saying that the church needed to change. That Brian McLaren said the church needed to evolve. Some of the things that he said for 2003 were spot on for 2023. And I wonder if he had to re rewrite that book today, what he would say about the church here and now. After the first time that I read this book, I began to explore what the church might look like if it did change. I began to look at ways that, that church can still be church but be different. I have come back to these questions over and over again. In fact, when I put together my proposal to do my Doctor of Ministry project, that's exactly the question that came up for me. The question is this. How does the relationship between church identity and missions, mission and outreach, how does that identity and that mission foster resilience and vitality in small churches? And that's what I have lived with since I began my doctoral program, is that question, how can we be different and yet still do the important things that the church needs to do as far as um, our mission and as far as um, spreading the gospel, the good news, all those kinds of things. I've wondered, well, how can we do that? Um, and little did I know when I began that, that coursework in 2014, little did I know how absolutely vital that work would be for the here and the now. You know, that the fact that we've lived through a global pandemic or are still living through a global pandemic, that we're living through a time when churches are exiting uh, denominations. We've lived in a time where pastors are leaving ministry. And we, we live in this time where all this stuff is happening. But I can't help but think 
that it doesn't have to be that way. I can't help but think that, that there is life and vitality in the here and the now if only we are brave enough. If only we have our hearts and our minds open. I tell you, I, I chose this scripture today not because I think the church is dead. I chose the scripture today because I think the church is vitally alive and will be, become more alive as time goes on. I picked this scripture because I know that we have a God who is faithful, who can breathe life into church and God's people. I believe that breath coming from God makes all the difference in the world. And I think that we're just on the cusp of being able to change, to transform. Because I believe that we still, in this place, in this time, in this world, have a vitally important task ahead of us. And we're, and we're able to do that task, if only. We believe that we can. So as we look at this text, it's important to note that it's both historical and allegorical at the same time. Ezekiel, it's assumed, went into Babylon, the Babylonian exile with the first wave of deportees. And that would have been about 597 BCE. So if you kind of look, oh, that was a long time ago, right? Um, it, he went with a group that was added to when Nebuchadnezzar, 10 years later, destroyed what remained of Jerusalem in a furious rage, capturing and blinding the king, Zedekiah, and herding the last leaders of a shattered Judah eastward to the huge Babylonian capital. So when Ezekiel speaks about dry bones in a valley, he means precisely that. Dead soldiers after a slaughter, empty lives after a crushing defeat. When Yahweh drops him into this silent and terrifying valley of bones, obviously dead and gone, and asks him this question, can these bones live? The certain answer would be not a chance. That's not in our experience. Yet Ezekiel does not answer in that way. He says instead, O Yahweh God, O Lord God, you know, a delightfully ambiguous response that could mean something as simple as it's your call, not mine. You know better than I that dry bones mean nothing less than eternal death. So God, you are God, and I'm human. I see what I see, but you know. So God doesn't make an appraisal about this reply that Ezekiel gives him. Um, he instead, instead 
calls the prophet to his work. Prophesy to the bones and say to them, thus says Yahweh. The prophet is then admonished to proclaim an anatomy lesson to the bones, wherein Yahweh will provide the breath, the sinews, the flesh, and skin such that the bones will leap to life again until the valley is filled with a standing host of a vast multitude. In short, Israel's exile to Babylon is far from the last work of Yahweh. The dry bones of defeat and humiliation will become healthy. They'll live again. This reenactment of Yahweh's promise for rebirth of those who are dry bones in the valley filled with, to the brim with dry bones. This valley of our lives is vastly, vastly like that. Because I think sometimes we can relate to this idea of living as dry bones. Whether we're talking about the church in general or we're talking about our individual selves, things are hard and tough and we're having a hard time keeping it all together and seeing the hope. We have a hard time sometimes seeing hope. Ezekiel knew all about that. And so, one of the things I want to point out to the story, did you notice at the time when the bones begin to come together that Ezekiel talks about there being a great rattling and quaking as things come together? Have you ever noticed that when things are falling apart, there's messiness when they come back together? Have you noticed that? I know I have. So they come together with this with messy noise, and the skin comes on bones, but there is still no breath in them. I think you probably can guess where I'm going with this. Because we, too, can be all put together and seem to have everything together and still have things in our lives falling apart. So we can be the dry bones where everyone can see where we are. And we can also be this place where we're, we're, we're showing the whole world that we're okay. I have to kind of chuckle when I'm saying this because um, on Friday I was out walking my pup. And I stepped in off the path onto a really muddy place, and I went down. You know what my first reaction was? David, my husband, was home with me, and I looked at him and said, don't say a word. Don't say a word. I was covered in mud. If that isn't a dry bones moment, I don't know what is. You know, Pup was fine. She looked at me like I was crazy. Um, so I'm sitting there in the mud, and I finally get myself up and go home, and I looked at David one more time, don't say a word. And other than a few bruises and some sore muscles, I'm fine. But I think that we don't want people to see us at our messiness. We don't want people to see when we're a valley of dry bones. We're really good at, at, at creating the illusion that everything is okay. 
And I think that sometimes churches try to be something they're not, and they try to show the world that they're perfect. And we all know that we're not. So the Valley of Dry Bones can talk to us individually, and the Valley of Dry Bones can talk to us corporately as a church. And I can't help but wonder. If you and I can open our hearts and open our minds and open our world to understanding that the difference between three things, the difference between the dry bones just lying there in the valley, filling it up, the difference between that and the, the soldiers standing there without breath. And the third thing that I want to talk to you about today, and that is receiving that breath. That word that's used breath in this scripture is the same word used in Genesis in the creation story when God breathes, breath, breathes life into Adam, into the human it's the same word. And so what, what Ezekiel is prophesying is to have that very same breath enter that people. And so as we look at ourselves and our churches in this time when there's all this other stuff going on, I wonder if we understand that what we need is that breath. We don't need everything that we think we need. We just need breath. And I, and I say that speaking to myself as well, because I think that sometimes I forget that that is as close to me, that life is as close to me as my breathing. I forget that that's the case. And I think sometimes that the church forgets that releasing the spirit within its midst is that same breath. So when we do things, we do things with great love because that's where the spirit leads us. I have such faith in churches today, churches that, that, that begin to see that they're not just sitting in the chairs or pews on Sunday morning, but that they're all week long. I have such hope when churches know that their building can be more than just a place to gather together, but that it can be so much more. You see, I think that if we begin to see church in that way and at the same time begin to see that we are that way as well, that breath, that inner work that we do, that opening up to the Spirit changes us too. So as we kind of look at this, this, this picture of Ezekiel and the dry bones and the bones standing but with no breath, 
and then this vast multitude standing there. You know, it, it, you might be thinking, Sherry, where are you going with this? It takes so much work to get from here to there. And how do we do it, you might ask me. And it's really funny that you might ask me that question because here's the deal. Surviving the last few years, doing the things that you do, I can say to you, you already have. You already have that within you. The life that we have lived since early 2020 has catapulted us into change. Personally, I have had to change how I do ministry. I'm a real face-to-face -face person, and I've had to think about how to keep others and myself safe in this new world that we live in. Testing for COVID has become a weekly occurrence for me so that I know when I visit someone in their home or I see someone who might be compromised when I come into contact with church people and the people out there, I've tested and I know I'm clear. We're beginning to open up to things of eating together and singing together and all those things. When you think about the fact when I arrived in August 2020, we weren't even open. Think about where we are January 15th, 2023, where we can sing, we can eat together. We continue to serve people um, that need help around us. All of those things happen and will continue to happen here. This congregation will, will have another change at the end of the month. I will um, leave you and Ari will come and that will be another change. But I have to tell you that that breath is the exact same thing whether I'm here or Ari's here. The breath is what makes us who we are. I'm guessing that you've discovered things that you miss about the way things used to be. Maybe there's even some things about the way things used to be that you don't miss at all. And maybe there are still things that you long for. And I'm guessing that when you get to know Ari, you can share what's in your heart about those things that Ari will bring with them that breath, and that breath will mingle with your breath. Ultimately, this story of the Valley of Dry Bones is a story of hope. It's a story of promise. It's a story about people who have a future. You shall live is the theme that runs through the Valley of Dry Bones. They live not because they are working harder, instead because the very breath of God gives them life and sustains them. But first, someone had to tell them that they could live. So church, you need to know that God has a full and abundant life in mind for you.
In your future, I sense vitality, renewal, and resilience. In fact, I see the beginnings of those things right here and right now. So what's left? Breathe. Just breathe. God's spirit is blowing through this place and blowing us into the future. Breathe, O oh God, breathe. Amen.